Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. In this conversation, I'm very happy to be speaking with Theo Prodromidis. Theo is a visual artist and director based in Athens. Often the outcome of a socially engaged and participatory art process, his work encompasses a variety of media, including film and installations, that address the role of historicity and the power structures involved in the production of political subjectivities. Theo is a participant of the School of Infinite Rehearsals Movement 7, with a collective research focus on the notion of community economies. Today, we will draw from his experience in autonomous practices of education to discuss ways of fostering an economy of care. Theo, welcome to Paliroom. It's great to be here up in the attic and thank you, Myrtle, for the invitation. Theo, it's a pleasure to have you here today, especially since we've known each other for many years, but actually never had the chance to have this kind of conversation before. That being said, it's been quite interesting for me to observe how you gradually moved from a solitary towards a more collaborative art practice, and I'm interested to locate this moment in time. First of all, I think that you know I will I will start questioning this idea of solitary practice in the arts, um, but indeed, like from being a student and working with uh, film in, in a kind of experimental form and practice uh, where you start to negotiate the world through a lens. I did experience a movement through these uh, processes of uh, negotiating how I work with people. It was becoming sort of clear that Like I had a desire to work with people, like I enjoyed working with people, and somehow experimental film practices uh, were very much author-based um, in many ways. So I started dwelling and playing around with ideas of fiction and performance, um, so I started moving more towards a cinematic practice, which in itself is a very collaborative uh, form. Um, And it was indeed while making a couple of more ambitious works that in the preparation of filming, I start seeing, um, you know, myself needing to be engaged more with the people I work with. 
um, beyond the role of a director. I sort of wanted to imagine myself more involved with the scene that I was uh, setting up. So actually for me to be in, in, the, um, in the frame of this um, action while it was happening rather than kind of um, <clears throat> envisioning how it would be filmed. And from those desires, and through a residency I did in Paris in 2016, where um, I kind of shifted um, what I was looking for um, through meeting people there, and kind of freed from the necessity to... To continue a linear sort of relationship with making it work, and it was meeting people, uh, political people from political uh, movements that were trying at that moment in Paris to open up uh, the academia space to students and professors coming from Syria at the moment. And um, after long conversations with. Uh, both the people that organized and uh, the people who were in Paris at that moment trying to reconfigure their their lives um, that I started thinking of how can I engage myself with similar processes back in Athens. So I started thinking how to combine these two desires to, 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 to open up spaces with other people and to negotiate this idea of learning together. So I don't know if this is a release of authorship more than a way to renegotiate uh, collectively who is the author of, not of a work, but of a certain social condition or a moment or, or of, um, in a way, trying to instrumentalize possibly a personal access to a cultural institution and redistribute whatever means uh, that might exist there, either monetary in terms of production or work, but mostly in terms of time, of, because artistic practices do sometimes offer uh, a different understanding of time, of engagement, uh, which is different from working in theater or cinema. No? So, so there is always uh, the possibility of creating a... Um, a common time while you develop the work. So one though has to also renegotiate again how this time is, uh, how this this demand of time from collaborator, collaborators is valued by the institution itself. So for example, while in another residency in Belgrade, uh, again, I met people uh, socially uh, and I came to know um, the housing movement there that was extremely moving of how it brought together many different people from social and artistic movements in Belgrade. And at that moment, I had quite a lot of funds uh, in my hands. So I thought to commission uh, previously executed labor uh, in the form of texts and bring them in a format which was like a, a sheet of a tabloid a newspaper. Um, so I could, uh, on the same time, I sign a fee for already performed labor. Uh, 
but also connect uh, three cities and three experiences of uh, struggle of housing movements in those cities. So, so in a way, trying to redistribute means, but also becoming um, a bridge uh, or becoming um, a sort of space of coming together uh, through personal filters, through like uh, the places I've been or the people I've met and trying to, 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 to produce a, a little bit of a time and space here together. That was indeed um, uh, an approach of how, how, how to approach making work with others. Um, and at instances, you know, one finds here or himself always renegotiating um, where the self is uh, um, in the production of a work, like how how does one become useful in terms of the tools and uh, experiences one brings to others. So leading, leading a project or initiating a project always um, includes this choreography between the self and the others and how can you be useful in leading a certain step or how you can allow yourself to be led in a, another step by the others. I feel that uh, this notion of a structure, the structures that need to be placed in order for us to have a common space, but also, as you mentioned, a common time, And the question of who has access to these structures and what this access entails have been an ongoing thread in your work. This was also the way that you chose to introduce yourself somehow to one of the workshops that we did together during the residency on how do we work together. And I was wondering whether you could describe a little bit the object and the logic behind it. Yeah, you. It was actually work that you led, <laughs> and um, you asked us to bring an object. I brought two objects. I brought um, an element of a work um, of an installation that I did some years ago, uh, which is actually the the the, com- the combination of two works. Anyhow, so this is called the element for the support of new structure, which is like a, an object made out of bronze, like an expanded sort of cross. Um, that functions as an element of a self to host a book. The book itself was an outcome of a performance. Um, The other object I brought was a riddle, uh, which was a gift from a friend. Um, And I brought these two objects to introduce kind of a personal (laughs) sort of negotiation between a formal way of looking at structures and support and a wish to play with others. Um, play something that might entail a, an element of surprise or an impossibility to, <laughs> to do something. Um, what was interesting about uh, this element, this like bronze element that I brought, which kind of looks a little bit severe uh, stiff due to its uh, design it was that it was it was actually a solution of how we can place a book in different ways on a wall and um, that book um, 
when it was exhibited, like for example in two instances in the Thessaloniki Biennale of 2015, Bekaterina Gregos and the Fototskiones Andretore Boundengu in Turin, uh, because this book was not bound to this element of support, it was taken away. I was fascinated of the audience, you know, taking the work and run. Um, and it did trigger to me, uh, you know, kind of a desire to start looking of how we can take the work and run, how I can start engaging in making works that can be distributed, like the newspaper I mentioned before, or even not have um, a physical boundary to a wall or a floor. Um, and I think, and I think that um, this was kind of coinciding along with my what I mentioned earlier, like after Paris coming to Greece and like looking, looking for uh, a space to to go as Theo, as a citizen and not as an artist, and 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 kind of enter a process of self-learning without engaging into, into an artistic process per se. So I became a volunteer at the Open School for Immigrants of Piraeus in 2016 after months of negotiating that I, I wouldn't like to go there as an artist, that I want to go there without this um, definition of myself. But throughout time there, I was frequently asked to, to bring my tools as an artist to the group because I, this was the only way I would be really useful of bringing this, like whatever I could bring in this, um, in this learning and sharing experience. So, so I think the combination of like... Um, learning how to move, to step back and forth, a choreography of sharing, let's say, and also um, attempting to create setups where nothing is really taken for granted and um, introducing the possibility for the audience to take the work and run, or, or, or for both the audience and the participants to take the work and run, was something that also drove me to, to apply to this program and, uh, and uh, kind of hoping to, to negotiate community, which is this kind of uh, movement with others and by others and with yourself and this choreography of like sharing. Plus this idea of how we can take the work and run, so take the value or whatever an economical sort of uh, approach to how a work operates um, within uh, an exhibition space or within a social space and how this sharing of the work, so sharing this value um, can be connected with an idea of community. It's uh, interesting to observe how um, when you're talking, you always try to distinguish these two roles of uh, being an artist and entering into a space where you want to somehow not erase completely, but keep out this identity of the artist, or at least this is how uh, I was observing that. And in the aesthetic field, we have to deal with this question of representation and with this question of access. And from a position of access, 
How can we create this common space with, instead, or for others? If we start formulating learning as a practice or or an artwork as a learning process, um, indeed the role of the initiator or the author or the artist in this process, uh, the primary function for it to kind of take shape is to listen. So... And of course, listening, you know, is a, is a very potent tool as as described uh, in feminist practices and, and and in practices of care. I think that you know that instance when you initiate process of listening, that of of groups listening to the members of its group, uh, what you're trying to formulate possibly is like a common fragment of or, or a fragment of a common language by learning how others articulate and and um, how desires uh, formulate words and sentences and how can this come together. I think we access each other by listening to each other, you know. For example, I did a project uh, in 2021 in Gamka in Zagreb called 30 Years One Day, um, where I collaborated with two dramaturgs from from Zagreb, and we opened up and formulated a small group of participants coming from different um, backgrounds and struggles, um, but all of the participants had already made a first step in articulating the struggles through artistic practices. So theater, music and writing and activism. Um, and we did try there to bring those experiences that range from having a Roma background, uh, being an LGBTQI plus uh, activist uh, or someone coming from uh, from uh, the experience of a, of, the, of a journey to Europe as a refugee, to find the, the smallest sort of common fragment that we could make together, and we made a radio commercial for a performance, and then the sort of work developed from there. Um, so I think that what we tried to negotiate was a common language amongst us in order to... Um, in order to, to, to then this articulation present to a wider public and demand a common approach to access to this public space that we circulated these works. And that was very informative uh, for me because um, in many instances this articulation was done in, in Croatian, in Serbo-Croatian. Um, so, so in that sense, I think that um, it could have been easier for me to approach language as something that entails much more than um, than a demand. And I think that it is the formulation of of, um, of a new set of demands that. Um, or in a sense, this is a new set of representation that leads us to create a common space or a common new space. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but for me, 
the transformation of representation as a demand is, is very important um, in trying to reconfigure how do we open up this com communal space to as many people as possible. You know. Maybe if you consider this um, as moving between being a rehearsal of something or the actual manifestation of it. What is the final aesthetic experience? Is it a rehearsal or is it an actual uh, event? No, I think it does answer the question, especially the fact that uh, when you mentioned that th there was a lot happening in their language. Mm. So you uh, found yourself uh, in a place where things had to be translated to you. So you didn't have this power of the language that you had to impose to your collaborators, to the participants, etc. So all this space of negotiation that you are mentioning um, already breaks this loop of uh, representation. But I'd like to go a little bit um, back to the School of Infinite Rehearsals mm -hmm. and this notion of community economy that you have been uh, trying to tackle with the rest of the group. And um, my question is around value. Mm -hmm. So I think that our capacity to transform the structures that we live in lies in, in a shift of, per of perspectives and in a uh, collective redefinition of value. Mm -hmm. And you've dealt with the notion of value very prominently in one of your works. Um, it has a very long title. <laughs> uh, Towards the production of dialogues, on the market of bronze and other precious materials, where you also question the role of art in society. So going back to community economies, I'm curious to know how did this notion of value feed into your collective discussions and into your practice, of course. Uh, it's interesting you bring this work after talking about... Uh... Uh, the aesthetic experience either as a rehearsal or as an event because the work that you mentioned is based on uh, Bertolt Brecht's um, The Messing of Dialogues which in Greek translates Dialogy uh, in Agora Halku It's an unfinished piece by Brecht written during the Second World War that kind of led to him uh, producing a more manifesto-like text The Little Organ for Theatre and indeed, the, this 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 dialectic piece um, by Brecht is the intrusion of a philosopher in a theater stage on the process of a rehearsal, um, where he discusses with a dramaturg, uh, an actress, an actor, and a stage technician. Um, a series of scenes on, on how art can act within the social space in terms of introducing uh, his interest and in what is valuable in art and how art dealt with its own transition. That work was, was a very formal approach um, as it was transformed into a video installation, whereas the stage... Uh, of this happening was transported into a couple of locations in Athens uh, that I found very emblematic at that moment and symbolic of the moment that Greece was going through, that was 2013. 
So the first scenes are set in the communist party headquarters in Greece, uh, whereas until today it was the only fiction uh, filming that they allowed, and uh, the different locations of the stock exchange in Athens. As the biennial who commissioned the work was uh, housed in the sort of abandoned uh, 20th century stock exchange. I think that, you know, the main question that I kind of took as a struggle from negotiating uh, with that text and that work as an artist was indeed the, the notion of value. Um, how to imagine making work uh, at this uh, specific historical moment, not only in, in Greece but uh, globally? I think that you know the the the, the, the symbolic spaces uh, where we invite you to perform are in a perpetual crisis. So we do, we are asked as artists to renegotiate value in perpetual crisis. So with increasing inequality. Being, you know, one of the major outcomes of, of our historical period, how how can an artist uh, negotiate value? How can we imagine um, to create spaces of equality and uh, in a time of massive inequality? Um, so I think that I think that in that in that sense. And, you know, trying to to negotiate what for me is a paradox between community and economy is, um, you know, it has been a very fruitful uh, negotiation within the group. Uh, as we comprised of uh, people from very different experiences, distinct experiences, and I think that, you know, our coming together was, uh, was very productive. Uh, it did coincide with the beginning of the of a war of the war in Ukraine of the invasion of Russia and Ukraine <laughs> indeed you had to completely negotiate uh, how 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 we're gonna approach community economy so trying to <laughs> to negotiate this uh, uh, question of value within a community economy in in times of war, it's an extremely demanding uh, process to negotiate within seven weeks of research. But but somehow, yeah, I was thinking just now that I didn't think before from your question that uh, the text that I mentioned earlier, the Messikaf dialects were indeed written in time of war. So, um, as that text uh, kind of remained unfinished. I think that we are actually experiencing uh, right now, without maybe possibly understanding the necessity to renegotiate our understanding of value within community. You know. um, We've talked uh, a lot about uh, this uh, negotiation that needs to happen in order for us to have a common space, a common time. And actually, according to Gibson and Graham, who were the people that uh, lent us the title for this movement, mm -hmm. Community Economy, Community Economy is perceived as the space of uh, collectively negotiating our interdependence between all life forms. Mm -hmm. 
I feel that also this collective space that we are talking about, the School of Infinite Rehearsals, is about this constant negotiation. And I'm curious to know more practically, how did that develop for you as a group during these seven weeks? We started we started discussing before we came together, uh, trying to bring our, our understanding of community economy, but also our desires and fears of um, how we're gonna uh, continue with with this collective uh, research. As I mentioned earlier, we did have to start negotiating this. Uh, uh, Kind of coinciding with with this extremely violent act, uh, and I think it did it did um, influence how we start thinking about uh, our resources. I think that we collectively looked at various examples of how how. Um, collectives operate. What is the public understanding of um, of free or not for profit or 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 for like different modes of economically economically structuring alternative systems of either um, having access to what is considered to be the public space but also um, um, examples of how self-organization uh, between s- subjects that are in crisis or subjects that are invisible uh, has been formulated. Um, so towards the end of our research, we did try to look, uh, to bring all these discussions together uh, and look at in labor that is not visible. Uh, and we did try to focus uh, in in the artistic community as it was something that we all of us sort of shared, but also that we could actually look at the specifics of a certain community. Other talk about communities at large because each community is situated somewhere. You know, there are different uh, dynamics between the constituency of a community and so on. So we did try to kind of narrow down where we're looking for it and and start to think and and reflect all together on the invisible labor uh, involved in the artistic community. So that's something that we have set as a collective space of negotiation and we're still kind of reflecting on how we're going to continue this uh, after we go back to our constituencies uh, and how to still keep on connecting not only between us but also trying to, to underline invisible labor not only for others but for ourselves as well. From uh, what uh, we've discussed so far, I still have uh, one question that mm. uh, I would like to address. Is it learning to care or caring through learning? As I mentioned earlier, like I think um, being with others is a choreography of um, stepping back, stepping back your ego to listen to others. Um, Learning how this is a comfortable space for you um, in order to make it comfortable for the others. And then when the moment arises that you are called or are useful to contribute, step back and actually instrumentalize whatever tools and skills you have 
to share with others. So I think this uh, back and forth, this step forward, step backward of learning how to dance with others, to be both led and lead, maybe we can even consider like this beautiful panigiri uh, sort of <laughs> <laughs> circles that uh, shift and rotate and people take different leads and come in and out, you know, the dance, they go back to it, something, someone kind of steps forward, you're waiting for your song that you really love and you sort of jump in there. So I think that that um, this might be a better model to understand the multiplicity between learning and caring. As if learning is sort of taking this small step back in order to listen and caring is taking this small step forward in order to give, you know. I really like this metaphor of the panigiri. I've never thought about it before. Actually. I mean, you know, there are collective moments of, of joy yes. and sharing. I mean, you know, you do need a lot of components. You need a band. You need someone to cook. So it, it expands to all these uh, necessities. It's material also. I mean, it... it, it It can be even monetized, you know, so actually Panigiria sometimes are fundraising moments for a community. But like to go back to to go back to this idea of care as a possibly a, a process of redistribution, the recent sort of heightened attention towards care that came out of uh, the pandemic and came at the moment where states try to completely reorganize notions of care, um, mostly with really like detrimental uh, outcomes in terms of uh, national health systems and the paradoxes of like going through this pandemic and people trying to privatize the healthcare systems at the same time and uh, making Uh, people working in care work or uh, people from immigrant or refugee backgrounds even more invisible uh, in, in moments of need. This created, I think, triggered in our collective understanding um, of institutional operation. They need to look at care practices. However, uh, exist to support people in need. Um, and and so one has to think of what are the needs of cultural institutions per se if they can share uh, share their understanding of their own need with the community so it's not really the institutions that should look at how they're going to support the communities but actually invite the communities to change the institutions themselves according to the community's needs. Um, of course, this is like a, a very uh, demanding process for an institution to actually go through uh, an analytical process almost resembling therapy and understanding what are its boundaries of operation and how it can actually, because of their scale, step back, as we said earlier with the dance, and listen to others. You know, how can a huge institution step back?
because they're so grounded to the space and uh, so uh, bound to this idea of uh, expanding either as an operation or towards communities, enlarging themselves to the public, that it's really impossible for them to exercise uh, the action of stepping back, of listening, of allowing themselves to be full of holes. So, however, I think that, you know, this, this uh, moment, uh, this moment that the pandemic brought of like heightened notions of care, which of course now have to be negotiated in this moment of war that followed up this, um, this period, could be indeed very uh, informative of where we can go forward. That's something that uh, we have been looking in the last two years at the School of Mutation, which is an initiative of the Institute of Radical Imagination, which I'm a member of, and um, this is what we're at the moment um, uh, strategizing and planning for the next years of how to take the discussions on care to, towards institutions themselves and uh, how we can think of uh, models for these institutions to learn how to step back. I think that's very important. And it's also, um, I mean, the way that uh, institutions should rethink of themselves, they should remember that instituting is a way of, be of constant becoming instead of just being and existing. So what you bring forward is uh, very important at this moment. And um, I'd like to thank you for, for sharing the room with me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I hope that um, we will manage to, um, to rethink and to keep negotiating our presence. Thank you, Mirto. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. You can find more about the UNASSA residency program and each participant at www.onasses.org. This series is produced by UNASSA. Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme. <laughs>